Hallelujah. He has risen. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Welcome to this day in which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us stand. Our opening hymn is Jesus Christ is risen today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. 
for this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, the Father, through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, you have overcome death and opened the gate of everlasting life to us. Grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of our Lord's resurrection, that we may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Our first reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. And this can be found in the Pew Bibles on page 1095. Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord we trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Now we will read Psalm 16 responsively, and this can be found on page 10 in your bulletin. Psalm 16. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord. 
I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The third reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, and this can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1789. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I, or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Here ends the reading. 
This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 8, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1584. Glory to you, O Lord. Indeed, our gospel this morning comes from St. Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Mark records, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. And they said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I titled my sermon, which is kind of unusual for me to do, as many of you know, this morning, and um, it's not an original title. I actually borrowed it from somebody, Um, this guy that um, uh, belongs or did belong to a little bitty bitty church down by a mountain, down in Lake Forest, up on a hill. You might have heard of it, Saddleback, something. (laughs) And this uh, pastor... Lee Strobel wrote, A Case for Christ, and so that's what I'm going to call this morning's sermon, rather, Proclamation, Proclamation, Case for Christ. He has risen. risen We make that acclamation each year at Easter. Uh, Why? What does it matter? Well, let me tell you, 
It matters. It's the whole enchilada, as they say, you know. This is the most important part of the gospel. And Paul points that out. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. If that is not true, if he did not die, if he was not buried, if he did not raise from the dead on the third day, this is all for naught. That is essential. So we have to come to an agreement. Either Jesus was or he was not. Either he lived or he did not. We have over here a good book. It's a great book. It's the Holy Bible. Either the Bible is true or it is not. Either he died like he said or he did not. We have to come to the agreement that he did. This book is true. And it happened exactly as it is recorded. This isn't a book of stories. This is a book of historical facts. Historical accounts. All of this can be corroborated. Just like if we were doing an investigation. All of this can be corroborated. Let's talk about what Paul says. Well, first of all, let me do this. There was a point in time uh, where the uh, Corinthians were so influenced by the Greeks and outside sources that, that the resurrection was kind of not that important. And that's why Paul wrote that letter to them that, that Jackie read this morning. He, he, he started it with, as I had preached to you before, he reminded them of the essential parts of the gospel good news. But in this world, there are people today that um, they affirm that Jesus was a great prophet. Those are the followers of Islam. Yeah, he was a great prophet, but he wasn't the son of God, and he certainly did not raise from the dead. That's what they believe. There are people that uh, called rationalists that regard the story, not the factual events, the story of Jesus' resurrection as a fairy tale. Some people will go, hey, this is just a book of fairy tales, and if you believe this, you are mentally ill. Yeah, you know, I, hey, color me mentally ill then, guys, but we'll get there in a minute. There are some liberal teachers in liberal churches that teach that Jesus did not rise physically, but only spiritually. I don't know what that means, do you? What does it mean to rise spiritually? Uh, I don't know. But all of those people deny the significance of Jesus' resurrection. And the fact is, is that there was an empty tomb and the living body of Jesus was and came out of that tomb and he, he showed himself to people. The fact of the resurrection is important. It's essential to our faith. And Paul points that out, where he says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel in which I preach to you. Paul is restating that, it, that this isn't the first time you've heard this. And what I've told you before is true. And you need to grasp and hold on to every bit of it. 
In fact, Paul goes on uh, later to say, if anyone, even myself, preaches a gospel other than the one that I have preached to you faithfully, let him be accursed. That means let him be damned. Let him go straight to hell. That's how essential it is. In this church, by the Lutheran faith, we preach Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of sins. It's as simple as our little ones here. Hey, Sam, how are you doing, buddy? The Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible, and my mom told me so. And how much do I really need to know? Simplistic, but that's the essential of the, of the gospel. What he did when he was up there, pinned to that cross, it wasn't nails that held him there, it was his love for you. And we know that because the Bible and our moms and our dads and your pastor tell you so. And that is enough. But what gets in the way, and Paul was uh, telling these people to stay into the simple part and the simple nature of the gospel. People, humans, want to look at all of the different things. We want to parse through the entire Bible because we have this need to understand everything. And here's the key. We won't ever understand everything about God. If we could, he wouldn't be much of a God. And so then we get caught up in things that don't really matter. It's called adiaphora, adiaphora. It means majoring in minor things. Like, my goodness, now we have this perfectly done right now, but what if this was purple instead of white today? We have white because of the purity of Christ. But what if it was purple? Are we in trouble of salvation? No. We have, we have instances where uh, some uh, churches will not baptize a baby. You have to be an adult. Um, is that a salvation issue? Does that mean that, that everything is for naught? I mean, can you, we, we, we hear on that Friday that, that Jesus was next to two uh, sinners. One was repentant, but was he baptized? No. Did he go to heaven? Yes. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, you'll be with me today in paradise. So as men, we take, we have the, the beautiful simplicity of the cross, Christ and him crucified, rose, risen from the dead, and we need to put some different stuff into it to make sure that it is sophisticated enough. I'm here to say don't do that, and Paul does too. The gospel, the simple gospel, is that he rose from the dead. And, and, and the good news about that is that uh, it didn't take you or me any effort for that. By his stripes, by his pain, by his death, we are victorious. So that's the story, that's the historical account of this Sunday. And that's why the resurrection matters. Now oftentimes as Christians, we want to talk about the gifts. And we want to talk about the healing and the benefits and all these things. Now, I heard a, a song the other day, and, and these are good points, and this is where we're going to go with this sermon right now. Don't tell me about the healing. Tell me about the healer. Don't tell me about the saving. Tell me about the Savior. Don't tell me about the kingdom. Tell me about the king. 
let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you who he was. We know that he was born of a Virgin Mary. We know that story. We hear it every year at Christmas time and now that this all came about. We know that by his, uh, uh, his walk and his life, that around 30 years old, he was baptized. Now, how in the world do we know that? Well, when he was born, it was during the time of Herod. And, so, and then there was a, a census that was taken. And then Herod wanted to have all the two-year-old little boys uh, that were born of uh, the Israelites to be murdered. Okay, And so we have historical artifacts, historical accounts, historical documents that put Herod at a certain point in time and so then we can put Jesus in there and then we extrapolate how much time before he was baptized by John the Baptist and he became uh, he was a preacher a, a rabbi Jewish custom meant that you weren't a rabbi before you were 30 years old we know that his ministry lasted a certain amount of time so we can fudge the numbers a little bit and say Jesus Christ died on the cross when he was a little over 33 years old, short of 34 years old. That's, that's pretty close. So he's 34. He's a young man in his prime. A strong man. He was a carpenter. We hear stories that he, that he flushed out the synagogue because they were trading carelessly. They were trading. They were they were exchanging money at, at usury rates. They had animals in there for sale because, my goodness, you wouldn't want to bring the wrong offering there. And sorry, this one's a little more blemish, but I can sell you this one for that much. And so he cleared them out. He tore up those tables, threw them around. These weren't card tables. These were big tables. Jesus was not a wimpy guy. Jesus is our high priest. We talked about this earlier in the week on Good Friday. People often wonder, why do you call Good Friday? Does anyone ever ask that question? Raise your hand. You can do that. Why do they call it Good Friday? I don't know. Yeah, you know, what's good about it? He died, right? Well, here's the simple thing. Let's just say you and you and you and you, everyone in here was sentenced to die. <laughs> but I didn't do anything. Yeah, neither did he. Okay, so let's just say this, that you were sentenced to die and Jesus says, guess what? I'll hang from the tree for you. How would that make you feel? Good. <laughs> Have a nice day. Because that's as simple as it is. It's good because he took my place and your place. You know, people sometimes say, why do horrible things happen to good people? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever felt that about yourself? Let me just, <laughs> including myself here, that only happened once. There was only one truly good person that had a horrible thing happen to him, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think it's good that he did that for us. We have a Jesus, a young man, at his prime, that knows what it's like to be hungry, thirsty, cold, dirty, and tired. Some of you have heard this. He knows these basic things that you need and that I need. We have a savior, a healer, a king 
that understands what it's like to be misunderstood, marginalized, insulted, and defamed. Has any of you ever felt that way? He knows what it feels like. He knows what it's like to be betrayed, abandoned by his own friends. Have you ever felt that way? Have you been betrayed before? Have you felt misunderstood? When you were all alone and you looked around for support, was there maybe nobody there? He knows. He's experienced it. He knows physical pain. Like scourging. I won't go into detail because we've got little ones here, but it's nasty. There's a lot of tearing, a lot of pain when they whipped our Lord. He knows what it's like to be beaten. Some of you played sports, some of you have taken a hit. Imagine being taken a hit over and 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 over. You can't catch your breath. Can you imagine having a bag put over your head and somebody punch you right in the chops and say, hey, prophesize who hit you just now? That's insulting and it hurt. Can you imagine what it's like to have thorns put into your skull? They made a mockery of the crown that he's the king and they wired it up and they put it on there and then they tapped it in to his skull can you imagine how much pain that is I mean I bumped my head I used to do that a lot when I was a little kid it might explain something to y'all but I got scars all over the place I you know can you imagine how much that hurt we got a we got a king a savior and a healer that's experienced everything we have and a whole lot more. He knows what the pain is like to have nails put through his hands and through his feet. And he knows what it's like to be pinned to that cross, gasping for breath, going down, coming up to get a breath, going down. In fact, the description of him was that he was beat so bad you couldn't even really tell it was a man. Are you beginning to see who Jesus is and how he relates to you? Anything that we go through, yes, it grieves the Lord. Yes, it grieves us and those that love us, but it really grieves Jesus. But he's been there and he knows, and so he's somebody that you can trust. He's somebody that you can go to that understands, and he isn't saying, oh, it's okay, it'll go by, you'll be fine. That's not how he talks. But if he did, it would still be true, right? I mean, our moms always go, oh, you'll be fine. Didn't you just love it when you were a little kid and mom would kiss the hurt away? I miss it. I'm 53 years old. I wish my mom was here. <laughs> I could use her. Mamas, you, you got a lot of power. Dads, you do too. But he can say that, and it's true, and we can believe him. Why? He's been there and done that. Got the t-shirt, right? He knows what it's like to die. He knows everything about you and me and what we've been through and what we're going to go through. And as I said on Friday, and that's good, to have a Savior like that, a King like that, and a Healer like that. 
He gets it. And yet, unlike us, he has this incredible grace that he pours out upon all of us, all who call on his name. Have you ever um, lent somebody money and they didn't pay you back? Whoa, where are you going with this? Have you? I mean, has anyone ever, you know, somebody made a promise and they didn't keep it? How about that? That might be better, but for me, it's, it's money. And it could be 10 bucks, right? And then I see that guy, it's like, yeah, you know, like 30 years ago, dude. I see you on Facebook, man. I mean, did you forget? I didn't. But, but Jesus doesn't work that way. His grace, his love for you, even while we were still yet sinners, is enough that he says, hey, come to me. I love you. Jesus also would say this. I mean, how's your life going right now? Are you things falling apart? This is another thing we're working on, but we're going to carry this through the whole year. Oh, God, please, Pastor, can't come up with something new. No. Are things falling apart in your world right now, or have you ever had something break? Wheel come off, right? Oh, my gosh, the world's falling apart. Oh, me, oh. You know, nobody understands this. I am hurting. Jesus would say, yeah, my grace is sufficient for you, and guess what? They're not falling apart. They are falling into place, and I prove that. As we celebrate today, he is risen. He's risen indeed. He's proven it. That as things look like they were falling apart, how much worse can it get? You're pinned to a tree, you've been beaten up, you've been scorched, and then they poke you with a spear again just to make sure you really are dead. People go, wow, things really fell apart for Jesus. But on the third day, he comes out of that, that tomb, and kids... What is the first words that Jesus said when he popped out? Ta-da! No, they weren't, but here I am. It's true. They're not falling apart. They're falling into place. In fact, they're falling so into place that even though you haven't died yet, when you do, you will be resurrected in a resurrection like mine. That's my promise. What promises did Jesus keep? Yes, he does. All right, Pastor Ken, you're getting out of breath and you need to wind it up. Well, here it is. Jesus' victory over sin is the reason that you and I can stand before the judgment of God forgiven and righteous. Proclamation. Truth. Jesus' victory over sin and death is the means of our salvation from sin and death. Simple proclamation. If his resurrection didn't happen, then all this doesn't matter. But Paul affirms to us from the case for Christ that not only was he seen by his closest associates, at one point in time he was seen by 500 people or more. And as good inspectors, as good investigators, all of those people, or many of those people, were still alive when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. They could have been interviewed. I mean, they knew. There were people alive. Yeah, I saw them. Yeah, I heard them. Yeah, it really happened. 
You can take that to the bank. The last part about this is just to, to tie it up. The disciples, all but one, died painful death to keep a secret. Is anyone here able to keep a secret? Does anyone have a problem keeping a secret? You know, people will die for something they believe in, but they won't die for a lie. And all of those disciples, except for one, John, died a martyr's death. If it were today, and we see it today, they would have turned state's evidence. They would have said, hey, for a shorter sentence, let me show you where the body is. Why didn't they do it? Because there was no body. They saw him. I want you to take comfort in that. The case of Christ has already been made. Either you believe it or you don't. And he's not going to drag you into heaven going, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe. That's not the way he works. But he invites you, and I invite you, and this church invites you, and the gospel invites you. Come and see. In the name of Jesus, amen. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him.
Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed, which are found on page six of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Jesus Christ and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, we lift up those who do not yet know you. We lift up those who deny you, that those that are, have enmity towards you. We pray through your Holy Spirit and that by hearing the gospel, that hearts would be softened and that they would call on the name above all names, the only name by which man can be saved, and that is through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray for the whole church throughout the world that on this very day are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for the nations, for those that are in need, for any special concerns that are on the hearts of those in attendance here this morning, some spoken out loud, many known only to you. We pray, Father, for your glorious and your miraculous intervention, that you indeed would give them peace that things are not falling apart, but with patience and in your perfect time, things are falling perfectly into place. Let us, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we are coming to you and to your table that was made possible by Jesus in the new covenant and the night in which he was betrayed where he claimed and, and he said and he gave us the mandate that is, this is my body. This is my blood, a new covenant that I have for you. 
Father, we will come to this table as sinners, but because of the refreshing truth of your word, the perfect sacrifice of your son, we leave that table justified as if we had never sinned, not because of us, but because of your Son, our Savior, our Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Father, on this day, it is tender as we miss those who have gone home before us. I pray for your peace and your mercy and your comfort to be upon all hearts that are hurting right now, that are missing terribly their loved ones. Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would speak to them and let them know that you are in control and that it's going to be okay. Lord, in your mercy. Father, into your hands we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace with those that are around us. Please pray with me. Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Receive them for the sake of him who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God. But chiefly, we are bound to praise you for the glorious re resurrection of our Lord, for he is the true Passover lamb who gave himself to take away our sin and by his death has destroyed death and by his rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all of the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures and with angels and archangels, Cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord 
and Savior Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks and then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death and resurrection and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In a moment you will be invited to come up and partake in Holy Communion. And the requirements of that are just this. Holy Communion is for those who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior with their lips, and I've heard you do that. Holy Communion requires that you believe and accept him as your Lord and Savior, that the faith that you have received is not by your own strength, but a gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Communion, the sacrament of the altar, is for sinners, just like you and me. So if you fit into that category, come. The table is prepared. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward. Let us pray. Life-giving God, in the mystery of Christ's death and resurrection, you sent light to conquer darkness, water to give new life, and bread of heaven to nourish your people. Send us forth as witnesses to your Son's resurrection, that we may show forth your glory to all the world through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Let us go in peace and joy of the risen Christ to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia.
<clears throat> All right, so for our closing song, Faithful and True, since it's a brand new song, Jewel and I are gonna help lead uh, the congregation in singing the song um, the first time around. The second time we sing it, the men are gonna sing the phrase, Faithful and True. The women are gonna sing the second phrase, He died for me and you. And then everyone together will sing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And the third time, we're all gonna sing it again. All right, so just follow our lead. If you're a man, follow me. If you're a woman, please follow Joel the second time around. And true, he died for me and you. Faithful and true, he died for me and you. Faithful and true, he died for me, for you. Alleluia, alleluia. True, he rose for me and you. Faithful and true, he rose for me and you. Faithful and true, he rose for me for you. Alleluia, alleluia. Faithful and true, he lives for me and you. Faithful and true, he lives for me. Faithful and true, faithful and true, faithful and true, everyone, hallelujah, hallelujah, faithful and true, faithful and true. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 